Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about financial empowerment for women. Joining me today is Jane Elligard. She is a wealth speaker and coach and also an author. And we'll get into that. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you, Heather. It's great to be here. First of all, I do want to preface that the information that you're giving while we are centering it more toward women, because historically women are less inclined to learn about money, kind of societal thing. The information that we give can be good for both sexes. Absolutely. Everybody can learn more about money. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think personally, one of the biggest thing I've run across when speaking with friends is they just feel like money is a chore. And we all know we hate chores. They're not fun. And it feels like I don't want to balance the checkbook. I don't want to, you know, whatever it is they feel is not fun. They don't want to do it when it comes to money. So what are some things we can do that can make learning about money more fun? Well, I think having conversations with your friends about money can start to open up that world. I feel like financial wellness is kind of the last frontier of, of all the wellness components. You know, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on mindfulness and meditation and nutrition and exercise and energy, but we haven't taken the time to really learn about money. And I think part of it is so oftentimes we have these money mindsets that we've set up for ourselves. We were, we were told growing up that we're not good at math or, or numbers and we start to believe that. And so it feels like then a heavy, weight because we don't truly even understand the concepts. And so I think a big part of it is education and then also just starting to have conversations around it. Because when we think about our girlfriends, we think fun. And so if you can start talking about this with your girlfriends, so when you get together at that at that party and the, the guys all go into one room and the gals all go to a different room. And instead of talking about that, that stupid thing your husband did or that, oh, that amazing play that your daughter or son had at, at, at hockey or soccer the other day or, you know, instead of that stuff, let's start talking about money together and make it a fun topic. 
that's definitely something I would encourage among my peers, especially at my age. Like, hey, how much was your house? Like, I'm just curious. But it seems still a bit taboo to ask somebody what they paid for something. And for me personally, it's not like I want to find out how much wealth they may or may not have because of what they purchased. But I may be curious, like, well, how much am I going to have to save for that? And that's part of that education to me is, if I ask somebody what they paid for something, A, I may be interested in it, but I also need to know, well, how much is this going to cost me? Do I have enough to cover it or do I have to start saving for it? Yeah, and I think that's that's so true. And again, we, we do view this as a very taboo topic. And it's time for us to break that taboo barrier because we need to start talking about it. I was actually with a girlfriend last night. We went out for dinner and... She just got a big promotion and she shared with me what she was making, what, and what her promotion, how much she's going to be making now. And I think that's really powerful for women to start doing because that sets other women up. If somebody else is sharing, this is what I'm making in this role. And at this point in time in my life, then that can help other women negotiate for their own salaries and their own promotions. And so I think starting to open up that conversation and and just saying, you know, this isn't taboo anymore. This is something that if we're going to help one another, we need to start stepping up that conversation and being more open. Yeah. And then I would also suggest that parents start talking about that with their kids. Now, not to the point that it maybe scares them, especially if the family is facing financial difficulties. I wouldn't say shield them completely from financial difficulties, but kids are pretty smart. You know, if you're going through the store and the kids are like, oh, I want that and I want that. And the parents are like, look, we can't afford that right now. That's one thing. But you don't want to be like, and your dad's out of work and there's no way he's going to find a job and we're in debt. Don't go to that extreme. But how would you recommend speaking to your kids, especially daughters, to start getting them educated and learning about money that's also enjoyable? I think the biggest thing that we can do as women is to be good role models for our daughters. And so if your daughter sees you not engaging in the conversation around your personal finances, she's going to notice that. She's going to see that, that you're, you know, handing off and deferring all of those financial decisions to your partner or spouse. They pick up on that. Just like you said, they're going to pick up on you know, they know if something isn't going well in your financial situation, they pick up on that, but they're also going to notice if you are engaged and you are having those conversations and you're talking about it at the dinner table. My, my son, he followed in my footsteps into, into this world and he said to me, well, what did you expect, mom? You were talking about it at the dinner table every night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I didn't even realize I did, but obviously this was my world, so it's a little bit different. But I think if you are talking about and having conversations at the dinner table at night about, it doesn't have to be the deep, heavy, oh my God, we don't have enough money to pay our bills. You know, it doesn't have to be that, but you can be having those conversations and, and you know, ping-ponging back and forth. And so I think, again, the biggest thing that can happen is being a good role model and yourself getting engaged if you haven't been getting engaged in those conversations. Yeah. And I would want to just add one of the most memorable conversations I remember my parents having 
my dad is from Germany originally. And at the time when uh, he was from East Germany, he had to escape to get into the, wow. to the U.S. So we went back when I was very young to visit his family who were still in East Germany. And at the time he was a smoker. So if you bought a pack of cigarettes in West Germany, I think it was like one mark. That's the German currency at the time. And we get over to East Germany, and in order to buy a pack of cigarettes, first you had to go what they what were called Western stores, because you couldn't buy unfiltered cigarettes just mm-hmm. at a regular store in East Germany. If you wanted filtered, you had to go to a Western store. And it cost three marks fifty for that same pack of cigarettes. And <laughs> I remember very distinctly my dad going, I am not paying these communists my money. <laughs> And then uh, a little bit later on, he said, mentioned something about how much money they had saved because that was when he finally decided to quit smoking was so that he wouldn't have to hand over the communists this money. So that kind of has stuck with me. And that's also one way I always talk about is people can save money by getting rid of things that maybe aren't good for them. And again, I think Heather talking about that. So again, if it's at the dinner table and you're saying, you know, we've made a decision as a family that we really want to save for a trip to Disney World. And so because we want to really focus on that aspect of our financial journey here, we're, we're going to stop spending money on Netflix or we're going to stop spending money on whatever that, you know, is something that has been a way that you maybe don't really even need to be spending money. It's not something you're enjoying. It's not something that you're really using. And so having that conversation with your children about, you know, setting financial goals and why those are important to you and why that's going to mean a change to them in the way that you maybe have been spending money in the past. We do need to take a break. When we come back, we'll go more into how to empower women in their finances. But again, this is going to be a good conversation for everybody. So men, listen up, because you can also empower the women in your lives, whether it's a daughter, a sister, wife, mother. So we'll be right back with Jane Elligard. She is a wealth speaker and coach. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that it affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. Today, we're talking about empowering women financially. Joining me in the conversation is Jane Elligard. She is a wealth speaker and coach. And Jane, in the last segment, we talked about start the conversation about money. And then in doing that, it might be more enjoyable and fun, especially if you start at an early age, just the topic of money and not make it so heavy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wanted to talk about what are some things, the flip side of, we want to make learning about money more fun, but what makes it 
boring because to me, I have never been bored talking about money. I always found it fascinating. So I've never understood what makes it boring for some people. Well, I think there's a lot of triggers around money for for many of us and, and men and women, as, as you said. And, you know, I think there's a lot of insecurity around money and and there's a lot of intimidation uh, around money. And the insecurity, you know, I was having a conversation with uh, a client and they said, you know, growing up, it was such a financial roller coaster. My dad would get a job, he'd lose a job, he'd get a job, he'd lose a job. And so that financial insecurity as an adult, if the topic of money would come up, I would be physically ill. And so I think there's those triggers for so many of us because of what we've experienced as children. And now as adults, we're afraid to face it because it's uncomfortable. And so, you know, I think it's, it's having the courage to, you know, take that first step to just get started on that journey of empowerment because money is so incredibly important for financial, you know, on this, in this life journey, really. And I believe that when we don't understand money, it's impacting us both on a personal level and on a professional level. And, and it's holding us back from having the income success that we could have. And it's also holding us back just from having personal joy of, you know, wanting financial freedom and flexibility and being able, because money means choices. Yeah. And that is the reality. Money means choices. And while a lot of people grew up also hearing one of my friends, Maria, she shared that her mom and dad were both teachers and it was like a badge of honor that they were doing good in the world and making very little money. And so she grew up with that really, you know, inherent in what she believed. And, you know, when she went to college, she, after she graduated from college, she went to work for a nonprofit, was, you know, doing good in the world and making very little money. But she started to look around and realize that money actually is a form of empowerment. And it, it's, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But trying to turn around those limiting beliefs that we have around money, those money blocks, takes time and energy that oftentimes this is one of those things that it's just easy to push to the side. Yeah, I see that with my mother sometimes. She has told me, just like you mentioned, that she was told when she was in, I think, ninth or 10th grade, she was actually pretty good in math, but she actually had teachers tell her, oh, you don't need to continue with math because you're not going to need it. You know, this is in the 50s. So she was just told don't do math. I don't know if she was directly told women aren't good at it, but she was basically told, oh, just don't do that. And then again, with society, 50s, 60s, even a lot of the 70s, men did not want to deal with women in money roles. Like my mother came out to Utah ahead of my dad and myself when we were about to move here. So she was looking for the house and the realtor she was with kept going, well, where's your husband? Can I talk to your husband to talk about this? She got it from all sides, basically telling her, we can't talk to you about money. You're just a woman. Absolutely. And I, I came up in a, a world, very male dominated, masculine industry, you know, being a financial advisor, being in that in wealth management. 
And it was challenging. And oftentimes, especially early in my career, but even later in my career, I was the only woman in the room. And it's daunting. It, as you said earlier, it's very daunting. It's hard to, you know, get past some of those messages that you're being told. And we're hearing a lot of those messages still, which just breaks my heart that we haven't moved forward as much as, you know, we could have or should have to help women and young girls understand that money is, again, it's freedom, it's flexibility, it's choices, and it's a way for women to empower themselves. And yeah. so the more we can learn, the better. Definitely. And especially nowadays, everything is so electronic. People don't handle money, any actual money, like dollar bills, coins. It's all just the swipe of the phone or the card. And so I think from my few talks with them, it's like a theory to them. It's more theoretical, this money thing. So I would think that it's harder to get the value of money and understand it even deeper if the whole thing is just this, oh, it's just swiping your phone. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, and it makes it a lot easier to get yourself into trouble with money as a result uh, when, yes, you're not actually dealing with currencies and adding the money up and and actually looking at those numbers. But I think, yeah, there's just a lot of fear around diving into those numbers and understanding what is my financial situation? How am I doing? And what are my goals for the future? And how can I start to work towards achieving those? And I think, you know, as we look at what's happened over the last two years with the pandemic and the great recession or great uh, resignation, you know, I think that's a time when some women have gone even more into themselves and, and are more afraid of money because of what may have happened. You know, maybe their spouse lost their job, they lost their job. And so maybe it became, you know, even more intimidating than it was before. But for other women who may have decided, well, I want to do a career change. I'm going to change jobs. And so maybe for the first time they took a look at their 401k, their retirement plan and went, Oh, wow. You know, this person, when I first started my job here 10 years ago, they told me to start investing in this 401k plan. And I did. And now look at, look at what's accumulated. I haven't even paid attention, but look at that. That's amazing. And so it might be a real eye opener, or maybe they didn't do that. And now they're going to this new job and somebody there says, and you should be contributing to your retirement plan. And there's so many financial decisions if you're going to make a career change, whether it's you're going to a different job, you're going to a different career, you're deciding to stay at home. There are financial thoughts and decisions that need to be made. And so potentially for the first time, women are stepping into that financial conversation so that they can make a decision about what they want to do right now. We do need to take one more break. When we come back, we'll still be with Jane Elligard. She's a wealth speaker and coach. But you've also written a book, and it talks about the six pillars of financial empowerment. So I want to go into that so we can at least have a guide for people who do want to take more control, especially women, of their financial health. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about the financial empowerment of women. And joining me today is Jane Elligard. She is a wealth speaker and coach. 
And you've also written a book, Jane. It's called The Financial Empowerment for Women, Your Guide to Courage, Confidence, and Wisdom. I understand you go over six pillars to financial empowerment, but I'd like to know what are those six pillars? So when I left my 34-year career in wealth management, I wanted to really think about, you know, what do women need to get their arms around their entire financial situation? And so I created the six pillars. And it starts with, we've been talking about it a little bit, money beliefs and values, because I think it's really important for us to go back to, you know, what are those things that we heard growing up? What are those messages that we've been telling ourselves over and over again our entire lives? So that's really the first pillar. The second pillar is thinking about the goals. What is it that you want to achieve with your money and your wealth? And so where do you, what's, what's the direction, the destination that you want to arrive at? And we need to know that, right? In order to get there, we have to, we have to know what that, what that looks like and, and have that vision. The third pillar is your net worth, knowing your numbers. And I think net worth is one of the most important numbers that you can possibly know because that's really your financial starting point. And it's like anything. I mean, when you go to book a flight to your favorite destination, you not only need to know where you're going, but you need to know where you're starting from. And so understanding that starting point is an important component of your overall financial understanding. And so net worth is, is really pillar three. Then pillar four gets into spending with purpose. This is where people can get a little cagey because, you know, I always say I don't like using the B word budget because I think budget sounds like punishment. Yeah. I call it treasures, promises, and joy. Looking at it a little bit differently, you know, what, what are you saving for the future? Tomorrow's treasures. What have you already committed to your past promises and you know, your mortgage, your car payment, whatever that happens to be? And then whatever's left over from after those two buckets, that money is for today's joy. And so looking at it differently, but spending, we need to understand how we're spending our money. I love that. I also don't use the B word. I always call it <laughs> allocating my my money. There you go. <laughs> so, but I like that. Treasures, promises, and joy. That's yeah, that's wonderful. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think it's. I think it just helps to. Again, this has been such a masculine, male-dominated industry, and I think a lot of the terminology that gets used is a little bit harsh. Again, it's making that conversation more interesting, more enjoyable. And so using words that feel better to us as women, not dumbing it down, but making it more welcoming and inviting. And then pillar five is all about learn to speak investments, because I think that is an area that we tend to get a little bit nervous about. There's risk involved, but if we truly want to grow our wealth, we need to understand that investment component. And again, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And so I've broken it down into ways that make it a little bit more interesting. And so you can really, truly understand some of those concepts because they are really vital for us to building our wealth in that way. And then pillar six is all about protection. And so that's really insurance and estate planning. And those are two really important components that we need to understand about our overall financial situation as well if we want to you know, leave a legacy for our family. I do want to go back to pillar number five, the learn yep. to speak investments, because as much as I have loved money and all things surrounding it, I didn't actually start learning about investments until about eight or nine years ago. 
and started actually reading those prospectus that come out when you have your book, which are the oh, most, bless your heart. <laughs> those, those are the most, those are really hard to read. And so I don't blame anybody for not reading them, but I was, where is my money going? So I was starting to read that. And then about five years ago, they started coming out with all these different apps where you can actually invest in the stock market on your own. The couple of the bigger ones that people have heard about are Stash, Robinhood, but there's now dozens upon dozens of them. What's really nice about that is most of them have very, very small amounts of money. So if you go back to that joy part of your treasures, promises, and joy, if you have a little bit of that leftover money that hasn't been allocated somewhere else, you can start playing with as little as $5 a week. Just pick even just one stock just to see what it does, what happens to it. And I feel like that's a less intimidating way of sort of getting into the stock market, which is one investment. It's not the only one, but it's kind of fun to do like, oh, what, what did this $5 do? Now it is $5 a week you have to commit to. So that winds up as a minimum of $20 a month, essentially. But if you have it, if got that, and hopefully maybe you have more than $20 a month to give, it could be a really good way to just play around with the money, see what happens to it. And most of those sites also have learning skills, so you can just learn what's happening with your money at the same time. Yeah, no, I think it's wonderful that, you know, technology has really helped us make some strides toward making, opening up. I mean, it used to be that really I worked for, I spent nine years at the beginning of my investment career working for one of the wealthiest families in the United States. It used to be that that's kind of, that was who had access to the investments and what was out there. And we've just come so far, you know, with 401k plans and, and people being able to contribute to their retirement so easily now. And, you know, so I encourage everybody to be looking at that. So yeah, so it has definitely opened up having exchange traded funds, which are, you know, an easy way to get diversification across all kinds of stocks, not just buying one stock. So I mean, there's just so many more easy, comfortable ways for people to get involved in investing. And I think so oftentimes we were taught, you know, save your money, save your money. Money doesn't grow on trees, save for a rainy day. And those are great things. And saving is wonderful. And obviously we have to save in order to be able to invest. But if we stop at saving, we're basically going backwards because when we're saving, we might be getting a 0.1% return on our money and inflation. I mean, right now inflation is very high. And so we're losing, we're going backward by just saving our money. So we need to be taking that next step into investing and whatever way you can do that, that helps you get comfortable. And one of the things that I have women do in my programs is at the very beginning, I have them choose one stock that they're going to follow. A stock that just has some, whether it's their father worked at 3M or grandfather or they shop at Target every day or whatever it might be, but following one company so that they can just kind of see what happens with it. And you know, taking it even further and actually investing $5 a week is fabulous. So any way that you can start to get comfortable and start to make those connections of what's happening in the world and headline news, how does that impact the markets? And then how does that impact my stock? So starting to make those connections, I think is a really valuable way because I think it's fun too. <laughs> 
awesome. But not everybody does. <laughs> I know, I know. So we want everybody to love money. Maybe not so much in a greedy way, but... but just, and growing it, you know, I yeah. think... You know, I think when, like when I talk about net worth, you know, I think that can that can feel like an overwhelming term, but really all net worth is what do you own minus how much money you owe, and that's what you need to know, yeah. right? That's the number that you need to know in order to grow your wealth. And so, again, I think anytime that we can get in there and start to grow our wealth, it, we're, it's just, it's a good thing. Right. You know, they're really, it's pretty simple. It's plus and minus in a lot of cases. So it's also about, you know, data collection. It's about organizing. And I think the other thing, another analogy for women, you know, who think, oh, this is too much. It's overwhelming. And, and they think it's all about numbers and analytics. And a big part of it is really just collecting all of your data and putting it together and making sure you understand. And it's kind of like a garage sale, right? I mean, we know how to run a garage sale. Right. We know that the shoes all go together over here and the pots and pans all go, go together over here. And, and when somebody comes up and wants to buy a pair of shoes and a pot and, and a pan, I can add up those three numbers just like that. And, you know, so it's really about organizing and collecting data and it's simpler than I think we, we want to make it out to be. Yeah. Or that society wants to make it for us. Yeah. Okay, so Jane Elligard, again, you are an author and you have the book Financial Empowerment for Women, Your Guide to Courage, Confidence, and Wisdom. Where can people find that if they want to learn more or read about it or start their journey on understanding their finances? They can find me on my website. They can get the book at www.elegantwealth.com and elegant has two L's, E-L-L-E-G-A-N-T. Or it's on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Perfect. Well, we'll be searching you out. Are you taking clients as well at your website? So I'm not working one-on-one -on -one with clients, but I will be, in, especially in the month of April with Financial Literacy Month, I'm working with some different organizations where there are some opportunities for some virtual, free, one-hour workshops if you want to join those. So those will be on my website as well. And I do offer programs periodically, so would love to have you check those out. All right, great. Again, you are Jane Elligard, and you are a wealth speaker and coach and also an author, and you're helping us to start our journey toward financial empowerment, especially for women. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.